welcome to the Bosby Lane podcast. It's your boy Ugo, and it's back. EPL starts tomorrow for Manchester United. I am buzzing. I'm excited. 10 a.m. Eastern, and we will be back on Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a few things as we preview the game. So we're going to do a little bit of a preview. We're going to do, um, you know, some reactions to Ole's presser, the first presser of the season. Um, we'll look at what the, the starting eleven could potentially look like. And uh, we'll do some loan watch uh, just to see what uh, Ganner, Chong and Levitt are up to. But first... I want to start with something that is really topical for most Manchester United fans at the moment. Um, a lot of people are really um, depressed, I would say, almost, uh, regarding our transfers. And I think there's been a, a lot of frenzy, social media frenzy, about um, you know how Manchester United have handled this particular transfer window. Um, not too many people are happy. Uh, which is understandable. We just signed um, Danny van der Beek. Um, the board doesn't have a great reputation. I don't think there's a lot of trust between Manchester United fans and the board. Not a secret. You guys have heard me really uh, go out on them, especially last year with Bruno Fernandes and why they couldn't really finish that deal. So I can understand why a lot of fans um, you know, are skeptical about the Glazers and, and the Ed Woodward-led hierarchy. Um, and also, you know, to, to contribute to that, obviously, um, Tottenham Hotspurs have just signed, you know, Gareth Bell and Sergio Regulon. Hopefully I pronounced that name properly. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool just got Thiago and potentially they might be getting uh, uh, Diego Jota from, from Wolves. And it, it does seem to, to most Manchester United fans like we're standing still. We're not, you know, improving the club now. I would say that there are two sides of the story. Um, Manchester United historically have been very, very slow doing deals. They haven't covered themselves in any sort of glory with the way they've handled transfers in the past six or seven years. Um, I think there's been a change in the past 18 months since Ole came on, on board. I think there's a more measured approach to transfers these days. Um, but I can understand why everybody is skeptical. Um, I took the the view not to be too emotional about this transfer window. I'm I typically get very, very emotional about transfer windows. I, you know, keep looking at my Twitter timelines and, you know, and I get into a frenzy whenever I see someone that's linked to us. But I've realized a few things. And I think uh, Manchester United fans have to realize this. And I'll talk about how Manchester United can mitigate some of these things. Um, I think first and foremost, there are a lot of factors at play here. You have agents who want to use Manchester United to get better contracts for their clients um, or to negotiate better uh, for contract extensions and things like that. Um, you have clubs that are trying to start a bidding war and adding Manchester United to any transfer generates a lot of buzz and you know people become aware and then that could get people interested in their deal. And then you have the players themselves um, who might be looking for a move. Um, then you have the media. I, I, I completely forgot. Yeah, the media is, is another big factor. They understand. I saw, you know, reports, you know, oh, he's he's on his way now in certain countries. You see Portugal, 
the Portuguese press is, you know, notorious for something like this. Um, and, and, and then you have people who just outright just link United just for no reason. So a, a huge majority of the transfer news that, that have United related to it in most circumstances are false because people are trying to use Manchester United to um, to achieve whatever goal they've, they've stipulated. Now, how does Manchester United get ahead of this? Because I think the response or the sound bites they put out there that, you know, the fans are panicking and things like that. I get that they feel helpless at the, at the moment because they feel like, well, we're trying our best. We're trying to negotiate. We're trying to do the best for the club. We have an obligation to to do to make financially responsible decisions we don't want to panic we don't want to show our hands we want to stand our ground and all of that stuff and which i think some fans should actually understand um don't let you know the media or um you know these stories to distract you or to you know prey on you i think you know it's unfortunate that the media is allowed to put out you know unverifiable stories and just to you know get clicks or get traffic to their website it's unfortunate um and it, it happens in football a lot you know speculations are always high and you know and, and and that gets to fans and fans get really 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 um upset when things fall true um in the case of say here regular as an example here's a guy who madrid wants to sell um Manchester United inquired about him, uh, according to the reports, and there was an indication that there was going to be a buyback clause inserted into the deal, uh, which essentially means that Real Madrid controls all the aces and can be likened to an expensive loan. Now, um, Manchester United and, and, and Tottenham are in two different situations. Um, Tottenham probably don't have the same cachet or or you know this at the same level as Manchester United no offense to Tottenham and their fans but they can afford to do something like that and, and I think either way you can't knock anyone for trying to do the deal so you can see reasons why someone would say well you know I'm paying for his services over a three-year period and for some reason he might leave I'm going to get an assured um, financial reward if he does and then on the flip side, you could say, well, yes, but I'm going to invest in his wages and there's going to be inflation. There's going to be different factors here. And once, um, you know, he plays well for us, then, you know, you come and pick him up. Then he's not a long term option. Then he automatically is a mid term option where I am carrying all the liabilities. Now, this is all boring stuff for United fans who just want a player to be signed, um, which makes it very, very difficult. It makes it very, very difficult. And I, I can understand, you know, the frustration on the Manchester United side, but I fully understand the frustration on the fan side because we have gone through this a lot. Um, the, the club hasn't done that well in terms of transfers historically. Um, Moyes' transfer window was terrible. Um you know, then with Van Gaal, it was somewhat okay, and with 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 Jose, it was it was a mess. You know, they made all the wrong decisions. They panicked. There was no long term planning. Now they have that sort of philosophy. You know, Solskjaer wants young players. We want players that want to play for the club. We want players who are here for the long haul, 
and things like that. And that's that's beautiful. And I think that the players that we've signed so far have been amazing. And the prizes that we've signed them for as well, you know, deserves, you know, some credits. But I think it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to actually take maybe a trophy or two for the trust that United fans have in the, the leadership and the ownership uh, to improve. It's going to take a title for that to, to, to change. And, and that, I think that's something that they cannot really, you know, get by the snap of a finger or anything like that, which is, I think, which is, you know, I think is frustrating from their perspective because they think they're trying to do something right. But then, you know, they've bond that trust, uh, right, uh, with previous dealings. But I'll also say for the fans, um, don't let yourself to get preyed on. Don't let yourself to be deceived by a myriad of transfer speculation. So before I came on to do this, to record this episode, somebody, you know, I think he's a tier one, Bufahasi or some, something like that, just released that we have agreed a five-year deal with Alex Telles. Now that might be true. It's very, very possible that we have. Um, now, Alex Telles, you know, has scored some goals. He's considered a decent left back. Um, you know, he, he, he is an attacking left back. He's, a, he's probably going to be a decent player for us if he comes in. I would love to see him at Manchester United. I think we need options on the, you know, for the left back um, spot uh, because once Luke Shaw was injured yes, uh, last season, you know, we essentially capitulated. So in the modern game, you need options at, at fullback. I think Brandon is probably better suited to, to right back because of, you know, because he, you know, whenever he plays at left back, he essentially plays as an invert, inverted um, fullback, which, which limits, you know, what he can do in terms of whipping in across. He's right footed, so he's always cutting back in. Which can, which can be very, very challenging, um, you know, for what we're, we're trying to do. So we definitely need to strengthen in that position. Um, I think we need to get a right winger or a right forward, whatever you want to call it. And those are the two options that, that we have. So the the state of affairs is that, you know, that has gone out. I think a few journalists have, you know, tier one respected journalists have also hopped on that bandwagon. But then we're getting the same sort of, Okay, United has agreed fees with the player, but you know they're yet to agree any fees with, um, with Porto. Um, seems Porto wants twenty million euros. Manchester United, according to one of the reports that I saw, wants to pay fifteen. We'll see how that goes. Now, I said I was going to talk about how Manchester United can repair some of the trust. Like I said, ultimately it's going to be by winning. That's the only way it's going to change. But in the interim, there are certain mitigating factors that they can um, start to consider. One of the big things that, that is underrated is communication. You need to be engaged. And engaging with fans is not posting videos of new shit releases or goals or, or stuff like that. You need to communicate with the fans. They need to find a way to communicate. Someone in that leadership group needs to be accessible to the fans. Take the you know, take whatever comes with it, take their abuse, come out and talk to the fans, come and address the fans, talk to them about your ambition, talk to them about the method that you're trying to um, follow, apologize for the last six years, apologize for what has happened and talk about how you're trying to rectify it. That is the only way you can rebuild this trust. 
Because right now, you know, whether it is influencers online or the media, they're going to they're gonna be doing the engagement on your behalf and they're not going to represent the message that you should be telling or you should be having with the United fans. The United fans don't, don't trust the owners. They, they just don't trust the owners and there's no reason why they should trust the owners because the past six or seven years, you know, has been shambles. So it's very, very important that that United devises a way to communicate with the fans. That's why they need someone who's going to bridge that gap. That's why they needed a technical director or someone of that nature, or a spokesperson who can come out and talk to the fans and say, this is what we're trying to do. This is where we made our mistakes in the past. And this is how we're trying to solve it. The briefings are one thing and people don't like the idea of briefings because people now understand, oh, and it always seems like this nefarious thing that that you know that's happening. You know, even when like, the whole world knows that that's how the media works with you know public figures or uh, figures of interest is that you put out you know you brief your you know you brief some media people and they you know they say oh according to sources close to Manchester United this 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 happened, but people don't want to hear that. People don't want to to hear from intermediaries. They want to hear from the Manchester United hierarchy. And that is the only way to repair this. Don't sit in your, you know, high horse and just say, oh, I'm frustrated about this because, you know, I'm doing my best. No, you have to go and repair that relationship. And to repair that relationship, there has to be more engagement. When was the last time Woodward gave an interview? When was the last time they had some kind of fan forum where people can actually bear, bear their minds. I mean, I know people can be nasty online and people can be nasty, you know, generally speaking, but I think the vast majority of people would appreciate if the Manchester United board or the Manchester United hierarchy could engage directly with them. That is how you solve the problem. If you communicate exactly what you're trying to do, I mean, you don't have to let go of the specifics of who you're bidding for or, or things like that but you need to communicate this plan from you from manchester united directly you know we've heard bayern do it in, in some cases we've heard um, liverpool do it in some cases we're not in for this, these players that have been linked to us you know these guys are using us to to do and call those people that are using you and you know so that the next time people are not doing stuff like that if the the, the, the moment you let it go then it's going to continue to happen um, but again, are there things that we should be excited about? I think so. Personally, I think so. I think that the negative cloud that we're getting into the season with is not needed, which is probably why Manchester United should have found a way to, to have settled the transfer business before the season starts so that you don't have that frenzy. Um, but, um, I would say, um, for sure, um, there, there is um, negativity going into the season and it's not something that we want. Okay, so what are the things that we should be positive about? Well, this team has been unbeaten since Bruno. Um, I think we've only lost two games. The two semifinals are the only two games we've lost since Bruno arrived. If we carry on that momentum into the new season, we're in for a treat. New faces do not always translate into better football. 
in the long run. It doesn't always work like that. It does affect the way you play. And I mean, maybe I'm hypocritical for saying this because, you know, Bruno transformed the way we play and the way we've, we've performed. But I think cohesion is also very, very important. Now, having played together as a team last season, this team is going to be better for it. So you don't want to even tweak too much, really. In my opinion, I don't think we need to tweak too much. Obviously, we need options at left back. We need the right winger period because we've not had one since Valencia was signed. Um, so we need we need options there. Um, personally, I mean, what do I think about spending 120 million euros on a player? I'm not, you know, I'm not one that is for that kind of spending. To be honest with you, I think there are better options for cheaper. If you know, if if it was up to me, I'd buy you know Ismail Assar and and get you know the Alex Tellers deal wrapped up or some left back wrapped up, and and maybe you know look for for you know an additional central defensive midfield options or something like that. Um, but I understand why getting Sancho would give the club a boost. Um, he is a special player, special talent. Is um, one of those players who could be transformative, so it, it makes sense to to consider him um, type of player that that actually shows ambition, and I understand it. And and I think from a commercial point of view, Sancho is much more marketable than Sar is at the moment. But I, I'm thinking, functionally speaking, Sar could become a star. Uh, we missed out on Mane, and it pained me. And um, I feel like, you know, missing out on Sa would be uh, similar. I think I, ha I have the same feelings about the kid. I think he's good. He's physical, strong, fast. He'll be happy to play with uh, Greenwood um, and fight for that position. He wouldn't demand a starting position. He's not going to be playing with the type of pressure that potentially Sancho would play if, if he's signed. Um, because if, you know, coming in with that kind of, you know, price tag and, you know, so much um, frenzy and expectations and things like that. I don't think that's okay for, for such a young kid. Um, so those are the reasons why, you know, it's either we just did the Sancho thing earlier on and just at least, you know, let him settle and, but, but now he's going to be playing with, with that much pressure. Pogba played with so much pressure as well because of the price tag. So th those are the things that worry me with the Sancho deal. But he is an exceptional talent. No, make no mistake about it. There's no doubt about that at all. I think he is the type of player that really sh shoots you to that level because the level of quality he has is just unbelievable. Um, I still think that Manchester United is going to complete that deal. I think it's um, it's dragging on because Manchester United is trying to save some money. Now, some people say, oh, don't sit. Why do you want to save some money? <laughs> well, it's important for a club like Manchester United who has obligations to both the club and shareholders to save some money. So that's expected. I don't have any issues around that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating as a fan. But looking forward, we have Ole. We have a, a team that spends one year together in the case of Bruno, maybe less, six, seven, eight months. Um, we have Bruno. We have Van der Beek. You know, so our midfield is shot up. Um, you know, the, the, the front three was a, were amazing last season. So even adding a Sancho just takes it to a different level. Um, the defense line is really overrated. So I've been following a few really reasonable um, Twitter um, folks who, who, who have shown our, our, our defense was the third best in the league last season. But it's still underrated 
I think mostly because I don't think people like our defenders at a personal level. Um, people don't. I don't think people rate Luke Shaw. I think he, he had an exceptional season last season. I think he was great. I think he, he, he is underrated at the moment. People may not like his body shape and things like that. You know, as a basketball fan, for instance, I am a Raptors supporter. And Kyle Lowry, I think, you know, is a player that is not as glamorous as Steph Curry. But when I know what Kyle brings to the Raptors team, and and I, and I think that's where, you know, these things tend to happen. Harry Maguire, another player, doesn't look glam glamorous. He's not as glamorous as, you know, someone like uh, Varane. But, you know, if you look at, you know, Maguire's passing stats, you will be, you know, surprised. He passes the ball very, very well. He defends very well. He, his aerial presence is great. Players would make mistakes. You know, you can't go through the season without conceding a goal. You know, Van Dyke made a mistake last season, um, in the last game, sorry. And, you know, that was a that was uncharacteristic. That that is not something you expect from Van Dyke. Um, but yeah, it happens. Teams will would 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 force pressure on you and you're going to make mistakes because you're a human being. Um, but just because people don't like Maguire, I guess that's not going to fly with most people. Lindelof is another person. I love Lindelof. I love the way he plays. I can understand why people say, well, we need a bit of pace in the back line. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's really important to, to have that, you know, pairing where you have someone who is good on the ball and can calm the defense down as, you know, dominant in the air and things like that. And then you have this more agile speedy defender that can cover more ground and and can recover quickly and track you know pacey wingers you know and give you know and things like that and you know that that would have been bay under normal circumstances but bay is reckless and rash so it's a little diff difficult i hope he, he can become that but then i'm just really excited we just promoted ted and mengi and then axel is, is possibly coming back and if Mengi can be that guy it would be remarkable for us and I, I can't wait to see what he becomes and how he plays um you know in the Aslan Villa game he came in for a little cameo and he looked really really good um another player that really looked good um was Fosu Mensa, who could play in that position as well Fosu Mensa is a really really versatile player he can play in defense he can play in central defensive midfield and he can play in right back and I think that's that's really good that we have. I I've been waiting for to to have Fosu play some games, and I'd love to see him in that central defensive midfield role. Um, in some cup games, I'd like to get him. I want I want to see him play a full game and and watch how he plays. It's be really exciting to see, and if he can cut out some of his rash tackles because he can be rash as well. I think he'll be great because he passes the ball very well. He he's pacey. He he can cover ground, and you know he he has some football brain. Let's not forget that these are all Ajax, um, you know, player uh, former Ajax players coming from that academy that typically teaches people how to play football. I think um, it's been unfortunate that we've had the likes of Jose who who didn't quite rate him and things like that. I you know whenever I remember Jose's stint at Manchester United. It, it just annoys me. And if you guys are watching All or Nothing, you would see why he is just not the right type of manager in this modern era. I just don't. I just despair when I when I think about all the things that went wrong during Jose's time at Manchester United. We couldn't get 
you know, some of the young players to, to develop. Um, we couldn't, you know, buy exciting young talent. It, it's just it's just frustrating. And it, I mean, you know, Tottenham is, it, it's fine. I mean, we're going to see them. I, I, maybe Bill is, it, you know, still has it or whatever. And maybe, you know, we're going to see a better Tottenham this season and maybe they're going to challenge for stuff. But, you know, Jose just, just doesn't excite me. And that's why I'm just excited. You know, having Ted and Mengi promoted and having people like TF, uh, Timothy Fonsi-Menser around, you know, gives me a lot of hope. Um, Ole was really amazing in his press conference today. He talked about quite a number of things. He talked about Greenwood. Um, I think I loved the Greenwood part because he actually put the blame right where it belongs. Um, the FA, the English FA and Southgate, you know, didn't protect those kids. They did not protect those kids. They didn't protect Foden. They didn't protect Mason. And um, that put them in the situation. I mean, I'm not, nobody's excusing Mason for being uh, an 18 year, 18 year old silly kid who's looking for girls and stuff. I mean, that's something that most 18 year olds <laughs> do and, and that's normal for them. And of course, he shouldn't be breaking the, the protocols and stuff like that. But um i i think he didn't receive any protection there was no sort of managing i think that's what ole called it uh, of these kids and, and ole mentioned he's been managing greenwood i think the biggest thing ole has done um this season um, most people don't give him credit for it or as much credit for it is how he has managed mason now mason almost you know was was closing in on scoring 20 goals last season that 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 was how great he was in his debut season as an 18 year old who barely played on the 23 football that is the type of talent we're dealing with here and you know the, the likes of southgate are not you know you know i don't think they're they, they have that understanding and and and, and ole and, and manchester united are definitely unhappy about how they handled the whole Mason Greenwood situation. I think it they used him as a prop. Then they, you know, when he got into trouble, they disgraced him. They did they didn't really protect those kids at all. And and that's 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 just a disgrace. Um the FA has to kind of think about how they they treat these young kids, let the press have a field day on them. And and you know it it's still continuing till now. I, I see some drab rubbish on on on, on, on social media and in these from these media outlets about this kid um and you know how would you feel if as an 18 year old all the spotlight is on you and, and, and people are putting you in trouble anyway i don't want to go into that um you know ole also talked about the fact that you know you know luke luke shaw and pogba are back so they're in contention seems like they may not get to play 90 minutes but they're in contention to play uh, which is exciting uh we could see Dali van der beek i can't wait um ole talked about you know, knowing him from Molda. And, and you know, this is, Donny van der Beek is the kind of player that I've been screaming for Manchester United to buy. Uh, or the kind of players that we should be scouting for. Young, talented players with a football brain. Um, again, I'm really, really excited about, you know, having him as part of the squad. Uh, question marks as to how we're going to deal with the likes of Lingard and Pereira and Wuhan Mata. Because there is is currently bloating out the squad, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting to, uh, to to think about what that the midfield combinations are gonna look like. I I'm not even trying to do it. Uh, you know, could we play Danny Van der Beek, Pogba, and Bruno in the same team? All they said yes, uh, but he he didn't confirm if it was gonna be tomorrow or not. Um, I'm I'm 
I'm guessing we might get to see either Mata, um, sorry, Matic or Fred or Scott in that role tomorrow. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I think we have to see. I, I, I would say we should have Scott in that place. He's, Scott is good at kind of, you know, quenching the fires and stuff like that. He has a lot of energy. He's been training. So I, I would say Scott probably starts tomorrow along with Bruno and maybe Van der Beek and then Pogba comes in or vice versa. I don't know. Um, up front, obviously, would love to see Martial and Greenwood and Rashford for sure, 100%. I don't care about some nonsensical rumors that says that we're going to be benching Greenwood in their dreams. And um, I think the back line is going to be, is very predictable. So Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Linda Love, Maguire, and Luke Shore, and at the back. <laughs> well, I mean, people have, people have mixed feelings about, you know, Dean Henderson coming back. But what I saw with Dean, um, after watching him um, in the game against Aston Villa, is that he has the confidence of a Manchester United goalkeeper. He is, he could distribute very well. I didn't expect that he had such distribution capabilities, but he does. Um, he commands his area, and that's something that De Gea is not necessarily known for. De Gea is, a, is probably one of the best shot, shot stoppers in the world. I don't think that anyone comes close, but goalkeeping is not just about shot stopping. And I think if we're being completely honest with ourselves, if De Gea could come out and command his area, that would give his defense a little bit more confidence and things like that. And I think that's what's lacking. I, I, I you know, watching Dean Henderson come off his line to sweep up and things like that was refreshing to see. And Ole's comments at the end of that game, to me, suggest that he is stuck with the hair. Right, and and I don't think he's knocking the hair, or you know, he's saying that the hair is is terrible. But I think he, there's just no way to shift the hair. You know, he's on mega wages. He saved us. He's a club legend. But I, there might be a, a way to ease him, or not ease him out. Maybe ease Dean in, and I think that's what we're going to be doing this season. I think purely all the cup competitions Dean has to play. Um, I don't know where that leaves Romero, probably is going to leave the club, but I think Dean Henderson was, was really, really refreshing. It was refreshing to see him play. I was really, really, really happy uh, with the way he, he played. I, given that that's just a friendly, but um, I'm excited to see where, where that goes or where that leads us. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm just excited to have football back. Um, I'm going to be up seven, you know, 6 a.m., just... To, for the build-up and you know i'm just excited i, I you know I, you, I can't hide it i'm really 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 excited about having football back and and just can't wait um to you know for it to get started now before i leave you guys i wanted to talk about you know our loan watch um you know we're watching ghana chong and levitt all, all have gone on loan i'm so happy that ghana is going to watford that gives me a lot of joy i think the fact that he's going to be playing you know with a team that is expected to come back up um with a team that you know you know has some decent players i think and 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 might be you know i hope he gets game time though uh if he does get get, get game time that we're in for a treat if ghana you know turns out to be um what we expect his him to become you know so i'm, I'm really excited for james ghana 
Um, also excited for Chong. He started life at Weather Bremen really, you know, in an amazing way. He's scored a goal and things like that. I'm really excited for for uh, Tahit Chong and, and Levitt. He's played one game, I believe, and, you know, his team is not doing too well. So I, I think it's, it's really difficult. I've not watched the game yet, but i like to see, you know, maybe some highlights to see how he's getting along because I know he's a really, really good player as well. Um, finally, our awards. Um, Bruno won the main award. And a lot of people, there was a lot of controversy about Bruno winning the award. Now, I mean, I get it. I, I, I voted for Ma uh, Anthony Martial myself. And I felt he should have won it because, he, you know, he was there from the start of the season. But, 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 Bruno, since Bruno joined us, we've only lost two games, two semifinals. That's it. And Bruno has been responsible for almost more than 50% of our goals since he came. He is the savior. He is the one that got us into the top top four he deserves he is a he's a transformational player so i have no qualms about him being player of the year because he deserves it his impact in that in half of the season was just remarkable re remarkable it was exceptional so I'm, I'm i'm not sitting down saying oh why did it why did he get it no but the good thing is that the players you know awarded Marcel their player of the year and in so many ways i think that's really really significant and maybe it would mean more to Marcel because um obviously fans might have you know different opinions about how things are going so i think every at the end of the day everyone wins rashford won the best goal with the, the cracker against chelsea the free kick and in, in the fa cup oh sorry in the carabao cup um quarterfinals i believe right now is the second round i can't remember right now but yeah that that goal was was exceptional so deserves it completely no qualms about that um and jimmy uh james garner won the reserve player of the year and Antonio langa won the jimmy murphy um, academy award of the year so um so yeah it's 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 pretty cool uh, manchester united uh, awards unfortunately they didn't have an opportunity to celebrate it but yeah, it's. I think it makes sense, and I and I'm excited about the season coming in. Um, yeah. Um, let's see what happens tomorrow. Um, I hope Manchester United is able to get, you know, off to a good start, and and hopefully in the coming week or so we're able to tidy up, you know, the transfers that we're supposed to do to keep, you know, get this team rolling. I think in the meantime, I think we should be able to handle Palace. Um, they're gonna be a threat, obviously, with Zaha and Ayu and and this, these kids that that can be great. They they beat us last season as well in an early game, so we we have to um you know try as much as possible to put it right. But and I'm confident that we have the team to do that, um, just like we did to them, you know, at you know during the restart, um, after the break. Well. It's been exciting uh, talking to you guys. It's been exciting um, previewing uh, the game tomorrow and talking about Manchester United stuff. As always, it's your boy Ugo. Have a great one. Cheers.